Welcome to the Make Books Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Marlene Seegers, co-founder of Two Seas Agency, a boutique literary agency based in Ojai, California. Join me and take a glimpse behind the scenes of the international publishing world through my conversations with key players of the industry. My guests all have one thing in common. They make books travel, for instance, from one language to another, from idea or manuscript to published book, or from page to screen. Find out how they do it and why. Thank you for listening. And now on to today's show. Welcome to a new episode of the Make Books Travel podcast. Today's guest is Andy Hunter, founder and CEO of Bookshop.org. Often referred to as the indie alternative to Amazon.com, Bookshop.org proposes a socially conscious way to buy books online. On the day our interview was recorded, it had, since its launch in January 2020, raised close to $14 million for local bookstores in the U.S., Amazon has seen an alarming growth in the ecosystem of book sales in the U.S. Andy explains why it was important to act immediately when he came up with the idea. He also gives us an insight into the logistics and the business model of Bookshop.org, which recently branched out to a few other countries as well. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Andy Hunter. Hi, Andy. Thank you for joining me today. Um, I've spoken with many international editors these last few months, the, the crazy, seemingly never-ending virtual book fair uh, season this spring. And, and during my meetings, as people were asking how the U.S. publishing market was doing, I often found myself talking about bookshop.org, of which you are the founder and CEO I sensed a lot of interest and curiosity from those editors who really are from around the world. And they asked me quite specific questions about bookshop.org's business model, how revenue is shared, the logistics, who can sign up. And I obviously had no answer to those questions. So I thought I'd invite you to come on the podcast to share uh, with uh, the international publishing world what bookshop.org is all about and how it actually works. But before we get there, would you mind uh, introducing yourself briefly and, and outline your professional career so far? Sure. Well, my name is Andy Hunter, um, and my career in publishing started in 2009 when I started Electric Literature, uh, which is an online publisher and like literary magazine. And Electric Literature led to other opportunities like um, I co-founded Literary Hub with Morgan Entrican over at Grove Atlantic. And Literary Hub has become, I think, one of the most popular websites about books and literary culture in the world with uh, 25 million readers uh, annually. And I co-founded Catapult Press, which is a small publisher in the U.S. of literary fiction and nonfiction. Um, so I was involved in the publishing industry. I was also deeply involved in internet initiatives. Um, I care a lot about books and writers and writing. And um, I was watching as Amazon was growing to be more and more of a market force in the U.S., and with more and more concern, and I felt like there needed to be something to offset Amazon's growth and 
um, because in 2015, Amazon was 37% of all new books sold. Um, now they're over 50%, probably close to 60% in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And at that rate, that's a rate of growth of about 68% a year. And if you extrapolate that growth rate for the next five years, that would put them at about 80% of all books sold by the end of 2025. Hmm. And to me, that's a crisis. Uh, it's a crisis that affects the culture and the art form that I not only love, but have really dedicated my life to. Um, and I think is, is just extremely important, like not to be true to dramatic, but I think it's important for humanity. I think books are, are a major, major positive influence on humanity and have had a lot of great impact on how we view ourselves, how we understand our place in the world, um, how we understand politics, how we understand others. And um, my personal development and uh, politically and for every other reason, I just think a, a very healthy ecosystem around books is essential. And any ecosystem where one player controls 80% of it is not a healthy ecosystem. Even if you think Amazon's like great because you get your packages in two days and you can order anything you want, even if you like Amazon, you can have to admit that 80% market share would be a bad thing for the market. It would be bad for authors, it would be bad for publishers, bad for everything. So, so seeing that growth made me decide to start bookshop.org and I got to use my connections and experience as a publisher, my knowledge of the internet, and to say, like, basically, bookshop.org is developed to try to help independent local bookstores compete better with Amazon for online sales. And there's there's a lot of nuance to how it does that, um, but basically... We provide a free platform for any bookstore to be able to get up and start selling books to their customers, and it takes maybe a half an hour to do it. Um, and it doesn't cost any money, so there's no risk at all to a store that is just trying to experiment with e-commerce for the first time. They don't have to have take any risk, any financial risk, sign any contracts or anything like that. They can just get up online, create a store, and start selling books to their customers. Um, we also have an affiliate program because one of the reasons Amazon grew so much is because if you link to Amazon in book coverage and then somebody clicks through the link and buys the book, Amazon sends you four and a half percent of that purchase. So publications like the New York Times, Time Magazine, BuzzFeed, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, they're all linking to Amazon. Basically, if you, if you loved books and you wanted to read about books and authors on the internet, Every place would link to Amazon, every, every article you read. And that is part of the reason that Amazon grew so much. So I knew we needed an affiliate program that would benefit indies instead. Um, so we created a bookshop.org affiliate program where Amazon pays 4.5% to pub- publishers. We pay 10%, and then we give a matching 10% to uh, independent bookstores through a profit-sharing pool as well. And... Um, and we decided to simplify things. It's hard for small bookstores to compete with Amazon because it's hard to run an e-commerce site. It's hard to have the inventory to be able to fulfill online orders. It, it's burdensome, and people might not have the technical knowledge, or they might not like technology particularly. So there's a lot of um, thresholds that they have to cross to get 
to have like even a, a functional and decent e-commerce website, we just make that extremely easy by incorporating our platform with Ingram, which is the largest wholesaler in the U.S. And um, basically, people, customers who order a book through a bookstore's bookshop page. Um, the order goes to Ingram, and Ingram actually picks, packs, and ships the book directly to the customer. So it doesn't have to come out of the store's inventory, and the store doesn't have to fulfill the order themselves. And that makes it really simple. So we had this kind of idea for how we could really make it easy as possible for stores that didn't have good e-commerce presences to start selling books to their customers online, and also easy as possible for customers who felt guilty or conflicted about shopping at Amazon to start shopping in a way that supported independent bookstores. So hmm. um, so we launched bookshop.org in January um, of last year, and that's basically where I, you know, in terms of my career, it's been growing and shoring up and improving bookshop.org and working on Catapult, trying to publish the best books we possibly can. Um, I'm also publishing through the imprints, um, Counterpoint Press and Softskull, both of which are, have been around for decades and are wonderful imprints. And I'm so I'm publishing books and I'm trying to augment and firm up the ecosystem to which books are published by creating cooperative projects like Bookshop.org and Literary Hub, which basically seek to generate a kind of foundation to literary culture on the internet. Hmm. Thank you. When you say we, when talking about bookshop.org, who, who else is behind the initiative? Um, if you can say some more about that. Well, um, we have about seven investors. Morgan Enterkin from Grove Atlantic, who is also the publisher of, of uh, LitHub. He was the lead investor. Um, and he basically got most, most of the investors are his friends that um also love independent bookstores and wanted um, this project to succeed. We also got the American Bookseller Association to invest in the idea, but it's all individuals. There's no mm. venture capital or anything like that um, behind it. And in terms of the staff, um, we just have a great dedicated team that came from various literary enterprises. We have um, somebody who used to work at... Um, the London Review of Books and work at uh, Lapham's Quarterly. We have somebody who used to work at N Plus One. We have somebody that used to be a manager at Book Culture, the bookstore in New York City. We've got all kinds of people um, on the bookshop team. It's over 30 people now. A lot of them are, are ex-booksellers, people who used mm. to work in bookstores and then got laid off when the pandemic hit. And we're looking for opportunities, and we hired as many ex-booksellers as we could. Hmm. And speaking of of booksellers, um, you say anybody can sign up. So th there's no uh, specific criteria that they have to um, fulfill, or is there? Well, there? There is, yeah. Mm. I mean, anybody can be an affiliate. So if you're an author, okay. if mm. you have a book club, if you're a PTA, like we've got schools that are affiliates and they help um, support their PTAs with bookshop affiliate fees and support independent bookstores at the same time. We've got literary orgs like uh, Lambda Literary mm. that uses bookshop to, you know, when they, when they have awards and they want to release their short list for awards, they use bookshop lists that way mm. they can contribute to their organization. 
sell the author's books and support independent bookstores at the same time. So it really works well for them. But those are normal affiliates. Um, for a bookstore to be a partner and earn the entire profit margin of the sale, um, which is about 30% of cover price, um, the bookstore needs to be a member of the American Bookseller Association. And that's the only criteria. But mm. it's, and well, and they have to be a physical brick and mortar bookstore. Like we, we don't allow, um, well, they don't have to be technically brick and mortar, but <laughs> they do have to have a physical location. Mm-hmm. We don't allow online bookstores to be um, members at that level and to participate in the profit pool and the, to get the full profit of the orders because we're not trying to encourage online competition for, for real world bookstores. We're trying to make sure that real world bookstores um, can stay a vital part of their communities for decades forever. And so those are what we're trying to support. So the ABA membership is just a, a simple um, qualification that can make us have faith that this is a real bookstore that really is performing like the wonderful work in their community that bookstores do. But that's the only criteria that they have to have a real bookstore, a physical bookstore, and they have to be an ABA member beyond that. Um, there's no other criteria. Hmm. And what was the biggest challenge when you when you had the idea? Like, and, and how long did it take for for it to take shape and to actually launch? Well, it depends on the t- like. There, there's always a biggest challenge. I mean, there's a, even a biggest challenge today. My mm. first biggest challenge was fundraising. Um, yeah. People didn't believe it could succeed. They didn't believe that Amazon could be taken on. A lot of potential investors said things like. If you can't beat Amazon on price, you can't win, and you can't beat Amazon mm. on price. I knew that there were a lot of people who loved independent bookstores and would be willing to sacrifice price and mm. would be willing to support their local independent bookstores with their purchases in the, in the same kind of conscious consumerism that makes people pay more for clean energy or makes people pay more for organic vegetables or makes people pay more for shopping local. Like there's a lot of reasons that people will buy something from somebody and it's not just about price. People also care about their values. They care about the world that they're creating when they make consumer purchases and that's true more and more there's more social consciousness among consumers than ever before so i knew that there was there was a chance mm. but that was my first challenge is just getting other people to believe that um and then once we raised the money you know just getting it i wanted to launch it as soon as possible because i was watching like the difference of a year could be the difference between amazon having a 47 market share and a 53 market share and mm. so i knew like if we're if we if it takes us three years to get this thing together, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so, building it as fast as we could was the next challenge. We built it in seven months, um, and then launching it and making people believe in it was a huge challenge. You know, there mm-hmm. were the skeptics everywhere. Um, booksellers naturally are skeptical because yeah. they. You know, the internet has not been a friend to them. And in any third party coming in and saying, like, we're going to help you, like, the questions are like, who are you? How can we <laughs> be sure that you really have our interest at heart? And like, what's the, what's the catch? Mm-hmm. So, like, creating goodwill among booksellers 
was a major challenge. And then, of course, making people even aware of it. Massive mm-hmm. challenge, you know, like just reaching consumers and telling them the story and getting them to get on board and getting them to to make the choice to buy their books on Bookshop instead of Amazon was a massive challenge. It still is. But um, the, the really big thing that happened, of course, is that six weeks after we launched, the pandemic hit. And mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit, suddenly all these bookstores that had not developed an e-commerce strategy they suddenly needed one in order to survive and Mm -hmm. stores that even stores that wanted to take online orders they couldn't send their staff into work to fulfill the online orders they couldn't bring their like put their staff's health at risk by having them come in and and pack books and bring them to the post office etc so suddenly um our model where a store could just kind of get on our website, create a storefront and start selling books was extremely useful. It was like perfect for the pandemic because mm. they didn't have to touch a book to sell books. And so we had huge bookstores like Harvard bookstore or book people in Austin jump on board. And they, they did it as like a stopgap measure where they, they wanted to figure out like, how are they going to survive in the pandemic and how are they going to switch to online sales? Well, bookshop gave them a way to sell books online while they built out their own websites because um, they were big stores that could mm-hmm. take the time and wanted to do it themselves. Smaller stores that don't have any resources um, were able to jump online and very rapidly start selling books to customers. And um, so we had a massive influx of stores and we got over a thousand stores on the platform. About a third of the store bookstores in the U.S. Mm-hmm. joined and, and we immediately started selling um enormous amounts of books well enormous for us um like one to two percent of amazon's market share probably but for us that was a major gain um mm-hmm. we ended up in the first year with about 1.2 million customers selling about 60 million dollars worth of books mm-hmm. um and at this point we've raised 14 million dollars for bookstores you can see in real time um, the amount that uh, that has been raised for for independent local bookstores, and it's indeed it's almost fourteen million. That's that's really impressive. As you mentioned, the the, the timing, the launch uh, of six six weeks before the pandemic hit. Um, not only did you provide a good um, a good way for for booksellers to continue to sell their books, but obviously also Amazon for, I can't remember for how long it was, but for a certain time, they were not prioritizing books. So people couldn't even get their books on Amazon. Did you notice that as well? And did you also notice kind of a drop again when, when Amazon went back to fulfilling those orders? Yes, we definitely mm-hmm. noticed it in that we we ramped up a lot during that time period, mm-hmm. April April and early May of 2000. And it was a bit of a gift for us. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when I say it's it was a gift, it it's not like we were celebrating yeah. for a number of reasons. First yeah. of all, we were getting up at 5 in the morning and working till 11 at night and doing everything <laughs> we could to keep the thing from crashing because we had way more customers and way more activity than we ever thought we were going to in our first couple months. And the other thing is that like the circumstances were so tragic. Yeah. Like we weren't happy about this massive success because there was a global pandemic and people were dying. So it wasn't 
like I was glad that, you know, and I wasn't, I don't even know if I was glad that Amazon was deprioritizing books at all. Cause I'm also a publisher and I care about the authors and I care about mm-hmm. the book sales in general. So, so, you know, it wasn't um, like a yeah. cause for celebration, but it was definitely mm-hmm. an opportunity for our platform to show its value. And it did help a lot. Um, and when they started reprioritizing, there was a little bit of a dip, but then um, the black lives matter movement really kicked up that mm. summer which yeah. was another like tragic circumstance that is a like really um overall like m- negative um thing that it was in response to mm-hmm. but like it's also a positive social movement that comes out of it and the positive social movement included a lot of interest in supporting Black-owned bookstores and supporting Black authors and supporting um, books that dealt with race and um, white supremacy and racial equity. And that drove a significant amount of stores and customers to bookshop as well. Those were like really socially conscious customers mm-hmm. who were inclined to not want to support Amazon um, people that were concerned about Amazon's labor practices, Amazon not paying taxes, all of the hmm. different reasons why, like somebody that wanted to support Black Lives Matter, might also be somebody that doesn't really want to support Amazon but wants to support Black-owned bookstores. And so we had a lot of um, growth because of that. That was shortly after Amazon started reprioritizing books. So for us, there was not really a decline. It was just more and more growth and more and more need. How does because you mentioned that Ingram um, takes care of the um, the fulfillment and the shipping and do do they have many fulfillment houses around the U.S. I'm just thinking yeah. about because one of the things obviously that Amazon has um, used as a tactic to, to grow so fast is that they are just such fast deliverers, right? They have I think they have fulfillment houses around the country how how does ingram handle this yeah uh, and they've got vans like amazon's everywhere all <laughs> everywhere yes obviously yeah. they have billions and billions of dollars to fund all of that and we're not mm-hmm. going to have that neither is ingram but mm-hmm. ingram does have six warehouses all in mm-hmm. key locations in the country right and they have a very efficient consumer direct fulfillment operation so Consumer direct fulfillment is basically taking a book off of uh, out of the warehouse and shipping it directly to some uh, a person's front door, mm-hmm. and they're good at that. So, mm-hmm. if Bookshop sends them an order before noon, the customer will get that shipped out that day. Mm-hmm. And so, if it's sent standard, you know it might take five days. If it's sent priority, it might take two to three days. But in two to three days is quite close to what Amazon offers, and. Mm-hmm. The Ingram also really can match Amazon in inventory. They're the only place that could possibly match Amazon's inventory for books. So mm-hmm. the chances of a book that you want being in stock and being able to be shipped very quickly, um, they're great with, with Ingram. And I think that's one of the ways that when I first was thinking about Bookshop, I realized like this is the only way that stores can compete with Amazon in terms of customer experience, as if all the orders go to Ingram Ingram ships them out right away. Um, it's just so much more efficient because a store with like 1,500 square feet, most likely they're, they're not going to have a lot of books that people are going to want 
are not going to be in stock, and then they have to order the book. It takes some time. And in an environment where, unfortunately, it's not ideal, but Amazon's gotten people used to not having to wait. And so being able to ship from Ingram and being able to get somebody a book in three days when they want a book in three days is really important for being a viable competition to Amazon. Hmm. Their prime membership, obviously, is also um, really a customer binding um, uh, program. Are you thinking about something similar, like a a membership, which then would uh, include free shipping, for instance? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, we we are definitely thinking about that and probably will roll something out. We we don't have it quite ready yet. Hmm. How, um, how how has the feedback been of booksellers? Well, I think the vast majority of them are very, very supportive. And certainly the stores that are on our platform have been really wonderful and really what keep us going. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do calls with our bookstores, like they're all extremely grateful and they're very glad that we came along and, and that we have hundreds, literally hundreds of stores that credit us with helping them survive the pandemic mm. and saying that they couldn't have survived. They would be closed right now if it wasn't for bookshop.org. And that's what kind of keeps us going. Mm. Um, there are, I think still some stores that are skeptical and I think they're skeptical for a couple of reasons. Like there are the, there are skeptics who are just afraid that we're going to turn into Amazon light or something like that. <laughs> um, those skeptics are, I I just think they don't know us well enough. We're just going to mm. keep doing what we're doing and keep proving who we are until they, they, we earn their trust. Um, and I think it's on us to earn their trust. Like I don't begrudge them for being skeptical because look at, look at what Silicon Valley has done historically to small mm. businesses. Like even when they say that they're friends of small businesses, um, a lot of startups and tech companies like end up being predatory. So, mm why should somebody trust us? Like we can, we have to do the work of proving to them that we're not going to be Amazon light or not just going to try to take their customers or whatever. And that's what we're doing over time. Mm. Um, the, the other group of skeptics I think are more people who are just like, they're into their independent bookstores because they don't want to be part of something else. Like they want to be doing their own thing and they don't like the idea of somebody else fulfilling books to their customers like they don't like the they they want to be the ones that touch the book they want to be the ones that talk to the customer they want to be the ones that ship the book to their customer they don't want to outsource it at all and and those stores like i think you know god bless them that's Mm. that's amazing especially if they have the resources and like the 200 or so stores that are in urban areas and doing well and have good e-commerce sites themselves like they're that's great and bookshop always, always, when we talk about what we're trying to do, we always say like, shop at your local bookstore, ask your local bookstore the best way to support them. Like that's the first priority. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in an area where your local bookstore says like, don't shop at bookshop to support us, shop directly from our website, then that's what you should do for sure. Um, but then again, for like, over 600 stores, Bookshop is their e-commerce. Bookshop is the way that their customers buy. And sometimes I don't think all the stores understand that, that like when people are buying from Bookshop for some of these stores, that is directly supporting those stores. And those stores prefer it. And one of the reasons those stores prefer it is because they value 
other kinds of labor more than pulling a book off a shelf, putting it in a padded mailer, printing out a mailing label, and bringing it to the post office. Like they're able to take that time that they would have their employees or they would have spent doing that and put it into something like growing a growing a digital audience and building up their presence and becoming national brands. We've got some stores that have been so spectacularly successful because they don't have to do the fulfillment work and they can focus on just building their community. And mm-hmm. so it's really a, it's a trade-off and some stores that really want to build an online community and also do media and just want to be able to focus on that stuff and not on the packing and shipping of online orders, those stores are really thriving on Bookshop. And Mm. also just small stores that don't have the time. They just don't have the time to maintain a website. They don't have the time to, to deal with all the online orders. And so we're a godsend to them. And so we're kind of like a, we're sort of like a solution for all of the small stores and we're a solution for some of the big stores that don't want to focus on on, on um, online orders but want to benefit from them. Mm-hmm. And and we're also like a huge solution for affiliates that don't want to send every all their customers to Amazon or all their readers to Amazon. So like we've got great relationships with places like BuzzFeed that link to us all the time. We're linked to by like Time Magazine, everywhere, Cosmo. Um, like it's been amazing to see all these different media affiliates switch their links from Amazon to bookshop. And that's another big piece of what we're trying to do. Hmm. Well, another thing that I like on, uh, bookshop.org is you do get a bit of a personal recommendation sense that when you go into a, a physical bookstore and you talk to booksellers you and you get recommendations bookshop.org also has um, a similar of course a digital version of that but booksellers can create their own personal recommendation lists and uh, so I, I do I do like that experience too if um, you know I can't go to my uh, to my physical bookstore here yeah so. well that's and that's totally by design mm-hmm. I'd say a couple things about that first of all Bookshop, when you go to the Bookshop homepage, it's like a, a bustling hive of all these different literary organizations, individuals, bookstores. It's not just bookstores on that homepage. Mm-hmm. It's not just bookstores creating lists. It's it's organizations. Pan, Pan America is on there. Um, you know, celebrity book clubs are on there and authors are on there and historical societies are on there. There's all kinds of people that are passionate about books in different ways, like clubs that are really into space travel are creating pages and, and like curating incredible lists about, you know, outer space and space exploration. Like there's just, it's wild, but it's a, it's kind of a collective of all of these different people and institutions and stores that all uh, care deeply about books. And by creating these recommendations and these lists, they're, they're doing really essential curation that you would never get on Amazon. Mm-hmm. On Amazon, it's an algorithm telling you what to buy, or it's a publisher who's paying them to tell you what to buy. Right. So the algorithm favors 
books that are already selling well. So algorithms create bestsellers, and those bestsellers remain bestsellers because the algorithm keeps recommending them, and that will keep the the a few books on the bestseller list like forever, mm. and it keeps the diversity of the whole book ecosystem from shining through. It just creates this very narrow band of blockbuster books, and everything else suffers. Um, and if the only way to beat that algorithm is to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to Amazon for marketing, well, then that's also favoring the big five mm-hmm. corporate publishers and and also reducing the diversity of books that are being featured and selling. Meanwhile, Bookshop, it's all human beings. Like every every recommendation you get is from a person. And mm-hmm. if you look at how people actually buy books, nobody buys a book because an algorithm told them to. Like nobody's like, oh, this algorithm tells me I should like this book, so I'm going to give it a shot. That's just not the way people think. People buy a book because somebody they trust and respect recommended that book to them. That's why people buy books because, you know, books are big investments, like not only just the cost of a book, but the time you have to put into a book. It's, it's effort. You don't want to waste your time and money on a, on a book that you aren't going to like. So why should you trust an algorithm that's only interested in making a website more money um, with a book recommendation when you can get a book recommendation from, from some a bookstore or an individual or an organization that you really trust and respect. So I think that ultimately it's a big strength that Bookshop is filled with all these human recommendations. And I think it's something we can do even more with in the future. Hmm. Have you made any changes to the platform since you launched based on feedback that you've had? Well, we're always making improvements. Um, Most of them aren't really visible, but like, for example... When you go through a bookshop's page, you get a cookie in your browser um, Mm. that tells you that that you're that bookstore's customer. Then you go back to bookshop.org. Later, it will still know that you're that bookstore's customer. So that that bookstore. Mm. So so one of the things we've done is extend that cookie so it never expires. So before Mm. there would be an expiration date to that cookie, you'd have to come in through that bookstore's link again before, like, in order to remain their customer. Then we changed it so that that cookie never expired, so bookstores wouldn't have to worry about ever losing a customer, Mm. you know, unless the customer buys a new computer. But that can still, like, the customer can still then go through that bookstore's page and then get cookie to that bookstore again. Mm. Um, We've made all kinds of subtle changes, like if you come in through a bookstore the recommendation list that you'll see when you're on book pages and carts are all from that bookstore. So bookstores don't have to worry about somebody else kind of poaching their customers and all that. We've done, we've added a map where you can go and you can find the bookstore nearest to you. We've done all of these subtle, small changes. We haven't done anything major yet, partly because we we went into the UK and launched, and then we just went into Spain and launched, and those take a tremendous amount of development effort. Hmm. Um, but we have, you know, we've done some changes like added digital gift cards and stuff like that. But we have really exciting stuff planned um, in the next eight months that I think will be really major changes. Things from like just making checkout better um, and having Apple Pay. Uh, an op- Apple Pay and Google Pay options, so you can just buy a book with one click. Um, to things like making the lists even more like shareable content. One of the great things about our lists is that they can go viral on social media, and we've seen lists go viral and drive over a hundred thousand dollars in sales to the store that created mm-hmm. it. Now that we've seen that, like I'm like, 
we should like, what's the difference between a book list on bookshop and a like great summer reads list from a magazine or website? Like it's the same, it's content and we need Mm. to make it as social as all other kinds of content. So we can redesign those pages to encourage social sharing, um, to make them load faster, make them do better online and increase their chances of going viral because that's another great way to acquire customers and take customers away from Amazon because nobody's sharing like Amazon curated lists on um, Hmm. whatever happens to be like best books for Father's Day or Black Lives Matter or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But bookshop lists can be shared, especially if they're topical and they're addressing a, a moment in history that people are really engaged in. Um, so, so that's one of the many changes that we haven't like planned. Just they're all, you know, every time we're thinking about it, we're thinking, well, how can we, first of all, benefit bookstores more, make sure that the bookstores are getting the most that they possibly can out of this platform. So for example, in, you know, one of the, we didn't launch with, um, bookstores being able to see who their customers were, but one of the first changes we made to the site is that if you're a bookstore, you can see who your customers are. Hmm. So, and you can, unless they opt out, you can email them. So you don't like, it's not like we're holding those customers. We consider right. those customers, the store's customers. Yeah. So, you know, we're always making changes based on what's going to benefit the stores more. And we also are making changes based on what is going to be most effective in taking customers out of the Amazon ecosystem and bring them into the indie channel. Hmm. Well, that's that's quite a big thing that bookstores now know who their customers are because that's one thing that Amazon doesn't do. They keep all their customer uh, information to themselves. I think that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you mentioned you you just launched in Spain, and um, I think it was in November last year that you launched in the UK. Were these launches um, an initiative that you thought about? Did you start out? Um, thinking in the back of your head, I'd like to do this on, on an international level, or was it more uh, because of the success in the United States that some booksellers or, or people related to the book business reached out to you to to also discuss potentially launching in those countries? Yeah, it's the latter. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about international expansion at all. In like June, well, it started in May, the UK started reaching out to me, the Bookseller Association there. Hmm. saying please come um they had even more of a dire situation in the u.s because they have very few of their bookstores there had any websites at all Hmm. and they were like we need bookshop.org where they were really afraid of a second wave um at that point nobody knew if there was going to be a second wave the numbers were actually down over Hmm. the summer but they were really afraid of a second wave that would cause a lot of bookstores to go out of business um, if they were unable to be or have online selling capability during the holiday season. So they basically talked me into it. I went to my team and I'm like, it would be almost impossible for us to successfully build and launch a UK site in three months. Um, but they really want us to try. So should we try it? And everybody was like, okay, yes, let's try it. And so we hired a ton more people and we really worked frantically and starting in July and ending in on November 2nd, we built the whole site. We integrated with gardeners, the wholesaler there. We worked Mm. out all the legal issues, all the logistical issues. We onboarded 200 bookstores 
and we launched on November 2nd, and it was an amazing launch. Like, it did extraordinarily well right from the beginning. Um, we got some great press in the beginning, mm-hmm. and um, a ton of stores really benefited. So it was really worth it, even though it was extremely difficult to expand internationally when we were so new. I mean, we were barely, barely on top of the U.S. growth at that point. But I'm glad we did it. Hmm. And then Spain, um, you is it also Portugal or is it just Spain? The plan is to is to go to Portugal next, but right now it's it's Spain. Mm-hmm. But um, you know there is it is Catalan and Spanish, so right there it is sort of like two two sites in one. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, did you and how is that going in, in Spain? I know it's pretty recent still, but yeah, it's so yeah. it's so it's really early, but yeah. I, but all the signs are that it's going to be successful. I think we're just beginning to like when you launch it at first, we have to work out all the metadata issues and it's not mm-hmm. as simple in Spain as it is in the UK and the U S because in, in the UK and the U S there are major, a single major wholesaler in the U S it's Ingram and the UK it's gardeners. Mm-hmm. So you only have to integrate once you can get all the data from Nielsen or all the data from Ingram all the cover data, all the metadata, all that stuff, it's all there for you. If you have a good engineer, you can build it into your site. In Spain, it's a much more fractured landscape. There are multiple Mm. distributors. There's no one great source of metadata. So it's just harder to reach the point where like you have a really effective site so we launched we're learning and we're improving the site every day and you know i think we'll once we're really confident that it works great and that all of our metadata is there and all of our books are there the way we want it to be then probably in about six weeks we will do a big push in spain to try to build customer awareness Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that it's exactly the same business model and revenue share with the affiliate links as the U.S. and the U.K. store. It's almost the same, but it's a little mm-hmm. different. Um, mm-hmm. In the, in Spain, the the profit sharing is 25 percent of um, all the sales. In the U.S. and the U.K., if you're a bookstore, you get 30 percent. Um, if you're an affiliate, you get 10% and you get t- and 10% goes to in a profit pool and in the US if you don't choose a bookstore then 10% goes into the profit pool and 20% goes to maintain the platform at bookshop.org mm. so m- the majority of our sales are bookstore sales so we don't make money on the majority of our sales in the US but we get enough direct sales that mm. it pays for our engineering team and pays to keep the platform afloat. In Spain, mm. it's a little different. We're giving the bookstores a little bit less, but um, but there is no difference between a direct sale and a, and a bookstore sale. So it's a it's kind of experimenting with the with the profit sharing where the pool contribution is twenty five percent. So mm. anytime somebody buys a book on Bookshop.org Spain. 25% is going to bookstores no matter what. Mm. And so it's it's more pool focused than it is um, affiliate, yeah. Affiliate focused. In the US it's more like if you get if you, if you're driven driving customers and you're getting the sales then you get the vast majority of the profits. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the pool is a smaller piece of it. Right. Yeah. And do you have any intentions to to branch out into other countries? 
Well, we've been we've had a lot of interest from Germany and a lot of interest from Italy, a mm-hmm. little bit of interest from from some people in France. We've had mm. a lot of interest in India and a lot of interest in South America and a ton of interest from Canada. But mm. all of that said, at this point, I think the best thing for us to do is to make this platform the very best way anybody can buy a book on on the internet. Like what what I want to do in the next 8 months is just make this platform amazing because when you when you try to expand internationally it takes all of your energy and all of your effort and all your programmers time and all of that and i don't and and that would keep us from making the platform better because we would be focused on international expansion right mm-hmm. now i want to focus on making um this the best possible e-commerce solution for bookstores period mm-hmm. and i want to focus on growing our market share and taking market share away from Amazon. Like I really want to aggressively go after Amazon's market share mm. for books um, going into the holiday season. We're only going to get that if we really continue to work on the platform and make it even more delightful and even more positive experience than it is now. So that's what we're mm. going to focus on and put a hold on international expansion for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what are the numbers uh, in terms of market share compared to Amazon at the moment? Well, in our best month, I think we hit about 2% of Amazon's market share. On a normal month, we're at about 1% of Amazon's market share. Hmm. So, you know, there's a long way to grow. But hmm. the thing is, if we reach like if we reach 5% of Amazon's market share, it would be world-changing for these yeah. stores because almost all of the revenue is extra. It's revenue that they weren't getting before. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. like five percent of Amazon's market share would be bringing probably sixty to seventy million dollars into the indie ecosystem mm-hmm. that wasn't there before, and that would really be world changing for these stores. Yeah. It would just allow them to thrive, allow them to health insurance to their employees mm-hmm. and pay living wages and all kinds of stuff that bookstores struggle with right now because their margins are very small. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to um, run a bookstore. So, you know, that's our goal. It, it, it seems kind of, a, kind of like an insane goal. Um, when we launched, I was like, if we reach $30 million a year in sales, that'll be life-changing because we'll be giving $6 million into the indie ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, well, maybe we'll get there after four years. Well, then we did it. We did twice that in the first year. Mm. So, so we had to set our goals a lot higher. So now they're even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> and how about? I was just thinking about the bookstores in in my town where I live in Ohio, and there, there, there's there's a few of them, and and they focus a lot on secondhand books as well. Is there? Do you also sell secondhand books, or or is that not yet a possibility? We we do it through a partnership with Biblio. Biblio mm-hmm. is a, is an indie focused secondhand book marketplace. Um, so we partnered with them and we only show the secondhand books if we're out of stock on a book. So most of the time you'll never see the secondhand books. And the reason for that is because we care about authors and we want authors to be paid. Mm -hmm. And so our first choice is always to sell a new book and the publisher gets paid and the author gets paid. If we don't have the new book in stock, we don't want you going to Amazon to buy it. So then we show the used options. Mm. 
And then mm. you can buy the used book through an indie partner because Biblio is a network of indie stores. So if you go to a book and it's out of stock, you will see a list of indie stores that might have the book and you can buy it from them through the Biblio mm. partnership. All right. Oh, that's interesting. And how about audio and, and ebooks? Is that kind of the same um, structure? Yeah. For audiobooks, we partner with Libro.fm um, and they're a great, you know, great company and mm. great customer service and all of that. So it's a very um, powerful solution for audio that's indie friendly. And um, for ebooks, right now we're partnered with a company called Hummingbird. Um, and I'll say that. We do think that there's more that we could do for, especially for eBooks. Um, mm. That's one of my goals is to do more. I'm not sure through a partnership or doing it ourselves. But when you look at Amazon's dominance, you say, "Well, yeah. okay, Amazon has 90% of the eBook market, and eBooks are 21% of the overall book market in the U.S. You know how much market share of eBooks independent bookstores have?" maybe like a tenth of 1%. Hmm. So it's like 21% of the market and like indie bookstores are selling almost no eBooks. Hmm. So that's a massive place where we can take market share away from Amazon and we can do so much more there. And so, so I'm really, really interested in, in growing that part and start starting to talk to publishers and figure out a technical solution to that. Cause I, I also think that, you know, if we're going to, do well in ebooks, we've got to do them a little differently than people have tried before. I I wanted to ask you, well, the the question I always ask my my guests about any book recommendations that you'd have for our listeners. Well, one book that I feel like needed to get more attention than it did and is an amazing um, autobiographical work is Love is an Ex Country, uh -huh. um, which is an amazing memoir by Rhonda Gerard. That's mm -hmm. a book that I published and it's kind of like a road trip memoir. It's also about identity. It's about sexuality. It's a super interesting book about an experience of being like a radical kind of free spirited um, Arab American um, exuberant woman who is kind of navigating her way um, through life, life and lovers and all of that. And I just, it's really an incredible book um, that I strongly, strongly recommend. And so I guess that's what I would, that's going to be my pick. Hmm. All right. That's uh, well, thank you for that. So full disclosure uh, for our listeners, um, two C's just recently started representing um, foreign rights for the Catapult Counterpoint Press and Soft Skull list, uh, which I'm really happy and, and very honored to be doing. Um, so any inquiries, you know where to find me. <laughs> um, And Andy, is there anything that I missed during the interview that you just wanted to mention before we wrap things up? Um, I guess what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do like a call to arms. Um, <laughs> what I'm what I was talking about with Amazon getting growing at such an incredible rate. Yeah. You know, they only benefited from the pandemic. The bookstore sales are down, like on a, on a for a good store, maybe down twenty percent. For a store that suffered more, maybe forty percent. Amazon's been banking it 
Like hmm. Bezos is whatever fifteen billion dollars rich, dollars richer than than he was before the hmm. pandemic, and Amazon has grown so much. Like this isn't this is no joke anymore. It's it reminds me of something like global warming, where it's like we have to act now to do something about this and you can no longer be complacent. You have to be an active participant in strengthening all of the parts of the ecosystem that are outside of Amazon. And even if you're a publisher and even if Amazon's your biggest customer, I know nobody wants to piss off Amazon, but at this point, Amazon is like the wicked witch and we're like Hansel and Gretel and the wicked witch might be giving you candy every day and you might, need that candy to survive but ultimately if you don't do something about it the witch is going to end up eating you if if amazon has all the market power they've shown themselves to be extremely extremely aggressive competitors they've taken buy buttons off publishers books major publishers Hachette. Mm. like they they don't mess around and there's no reason to think that they're going to be a benevolent dictator if they have total control of the market. Um, there's no reason for authors to feel that, that like their dreams and hopes for their books will be able to come true in a world where Amazon is to, is determining what books customers get to see. Hmm. And Amazon is doing that for 80% of books sold. Like even if you're somebody that likes Amazon and a happy prime member and you love getting like your dog food the next day or same day or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Like you have to do something about this now. Mm -hmm. Um, Publishers have to do something about it now. Everybody needs to support independent bookstores. They need to support independent presses. They need to support Barnes and Noble and other bookstore chains like books and books and um, you know, any other alternative you know we just need to do that through you know doing more co-ops doing more promotions doing more events with indies and just working really hard it can't be a second thought now it has to be the first thing that we're doing and we all have to do it um every publisher every author everybody that loves reading books we all have to do it starting now because we can't let the ecosystem erode any further than it than it already has. Hmm. Thank you. This uh, is definitely a great way to end the interview. Thank you so much, Andy, for your time and for giving all the insights. And um, congratulations on this this wonderful initiative. And I wish you the best of luck for the future. Thank you, and thanks for all having right. me on. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks again for listening to the Make Books Travel podcast. I hope you had a good time and learned a thing or two. Check out the agency's website, 2CsAgency.com, for more information and resources about the international publishing scene. Oh, and if you liked what you heard, please leave a positive review. Thank you. Merci et à la prochaine.